0: Welcome back to Find Your Legacies podcast. Happy New Year. It's 2019. I'm freaking out about it. Um, I'm super excited for what the year holds. Some resolutions that I have are to just keep going and to learn new things. I'm just pretending to be like Kylie Jenner for a second. No, I really think that um, I'm going to try my hardest to reach my full potential, and I have personal goals that will um, lead me there, and this is a good little segue into our topic for today. I have my special guest, Zuko the Chihuahua. You can follow him on Instagram, at Zuko the Chihuahua, Z-U-K-O. He's on my lap right now, so if you're watching on YouTube, you may or may not see his cute little head. Um, anyways, so... Today we're going to be talking about self-directed learning, soft skills, and just goal setting in general. Um, I was doing research on today's podcast and I was just so excited and overwhelmed by all this information that I found on my favorite website, Big Think. Um, I'm going to link all the articles in um, the description box on our YouTube channel down below and I'm just super excited. Big Think is just the coolest website, they always have such cool articles about new discoveries going on, like a random one that I thought was so interesting is that um, the University of Washington is modifying a pothos ivy. It's an ivy plant, and they're adding proteins to it to um, purify the air in homes, Um, and it gets rid of carcinogens like air chloroform and benzene so um yeah i thought um house already did that which is why i have like 20 in my home but apparently <laughs> apparently it's like not that great at modifying the air or purifying the air but whatever um so be on the lookout for that type of plant which i just thought was super cool so i started my spiral down um, on soft skills, and I landed on this book that I really think everyone, including myself, should read. Let's all do it together in 2019. It's Growth versus Fixed Mindsets, and it's by Carol Dweck, D W E C K. And it's basically shifting um, how you achieve your goals. So, basically, when we're in school, it's pass this course, get this grade have this GPA. It's very outcome oriented. And so it's either you make it or you don't. And that's a fixed mindset. And we can really crumble on our own expectations when we have a fixed mindset like that. It's looking at tasks as opportunities to fail. So I either pass this test or I don't. And a growth mindset is looking at tasks as opportunities to challenge us. And so um, it's embracing that some tasks are harder than others. You know, um, studying for a biochem vinyl that's cumulative, I'm sure is. you can look at it as a task of passing or failing. You're either smart or you're not. Or you can look at it as, I'm going to develop my soft skills. I'm going to have time management. I'm going to have... Um, you know, I'm going to control my anxiety, I'm going to talk to my professor, I'm going to do all these things, um, to make sure I study well. These, it's looking at this opportunity of passing as a challenge and what you can learn from it and how, how preparing to pass this exam can now lead you into, you know, strategic techniques to pass other exams. It's learning, um, and trusting and enjoying the process. Trust the process. Um, so um, it's it's it builds resilience. And it allows students to thrive. So when we have in our schools and in our classrooms a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, we're teaching children to be resilient. And when they don't give up when things are hard and they never quit and they, you know, are flexible and... Improvise, adapt, overcome. Connor um, McGregor says that. So, yeah, it's just embracing challenges as they come and having the confidence to know that you will figure it out. And so, what's really great about that is you're focusing on how you feel about your learning and not how others feel about you. So, you're taking that shift of, I'm a failure because I didn't pass, and everyone's going to know that, as I feel good about what I did and I learned this through this process. And so that kind of leads me into this really interesting video that I found. And it says that 60% of everyone, like not women or people in this age group, it's just everyone, the whole human population, um, suffers from shyness or social anxiety. And there's a really cool um, active listening And active listening is a part of communication, and communication is going to be one of the major soft skills that I want to focus on later in this podcast, but for right now, um, active listening is a give and take, and you're asking probing questions that are following up from what a person said to you. So you can either take a, a response, or you can turn it into a question and give it to the other person to respond back. So say that um, someone's talking to you like, hey, where did you go for New Year's? So I went to New Orleans. So someone can say, um, you know, oh, I went to New Orleans. And I could say, oh, I went to New Orleans too. Like I had so much fun. That's taking that conversation and now we've stopped. We're not engaging in anything. And I, I can then say, you know, what was your favorite part of your trip? And now I have turned the conversation back to that person. So it's really caring about what the other person's experiences are and letting them know that you value the conversation that you're having with them. And that can really help ease some social anxiety because you're building that confidence and experience. And one of the best ways to combat some anxieties are to experience what you're afraid of and realize there's really nothing to be afraid of. And I think that's a really great example of how... um, you can achieve that with social anxiety. But the author came up with this really cool, it's called a meta- metaphoric two-step technique. And so it's a hypnosis technique. And he works with this, his, or I guess his friend is this guy that does, hip, um, what is it? It's like hypnotherapy for Fortune 500 companies. So this this part of this video just showed me how important it is to have like these these powerful mindsets. So he's working with leaders of Fortune 500 companies with how they see anxieties within their leadership skills and how they overcome those anxieties so they can be the best leader at their company. That's how crazy... Your mindset is, and how important soft skills are, because it's all about how how you lead. And if if people at Fortune five hundred companies, it makes me feel a little bit better, because I'm like, okay, they have these same issues, but they're doing something about it, and they're solving those problems. And that's where we separate, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs and all these people. They're they're looking at their anxieties as a growth opportunity and not as a fixed mindset and keeping themselves in this box that that they've put themselves in um oh my god my chihuahua is falling come back up okay so one is to think of a social situation that really just gives you anxiety. So um, I'm not sure this is really a social situation that gives me anxiety, but I think it's a good example for the sake of this um, two-step, metaphoric two-step technique. Um, so I have our first Find Your Legacy board meeting in a couple of weeks, and I'm so <laughs> excited. But I could I could say, you know, maybe this social situation is really um, – Giving me some anxiety because I'm going to be looking at people who are very experienced in, you know, college and high schools and um, I'm just a girl with an idea and I'm just trying to bring people together and get them to work on my mission. And so next you articulate like your worst case scenario so, oh my god, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> my worst case scenario would be that I go up there, I'm unprepared, they're asking me questions that I don't know the answers to, I freeze, I'm talking too fast, I'm just freaking out and they're going to see me as um, not someone that should be leading this nonprofit because I'm just a hot mess. So I've named my my undesired state of being is what he called it and this allows me to be self-aware so I've named my worst fear so in that moment when I'm giving my presentation to my board members and I'm like I can feel myself forgetting what I've practiced presenting and I'm like okay I'm spiraling here is the moment where I am being undesired like this is not where I want to be like I'm starting to spiral I'm losing my confidence I'm freaking out and I can say hey this is exactly what we thought was going to happen but we also have control over the situation and so the third part is to articulate what you want to happen your best case scenario and my best case scenario would be you know, these people leave believing in me and believing in our mission and knowing that I can handle to carry our mission forward. And it says to, to tell yourself three ways you would like to feel about what you're experiencing in this social, in this social situation. So my three things are going to be one, I've articulated myself well. Two, um, I feel good about how I presented things. Um, And three, that I really feel the energy in the room is one of empowerment, where we're all going to fuel our brains together and come up with awesome ideas to really help find your legacy go forward. And so now I can focus on my best and therefore have my feelings be more calm, be more in control, and then now I'm acting in a way that reflects that. But don't be too critical on yourself because he also said that being shy and intimidated and you know feeling unworthy when we're in these entry-level jobs and we're a part of these big organizations and we're communicating with people who are way more higher up than us, we can say, okay, I've I have literally had nothing. I have no power. I'm so irrelevant. That that is so natural and normal. Um, so many people feel that way always. So don't be hard on yourself for feeling that way and recognize that, you know, you're comparing yourself to what you think is this best. Basically, I think the problem is this. When you are communicating with someone who is, like, very intimidating, you're putting their best version of what you think this person is and comparing it to all your weaknesses. This person is not a robot and has weaknesses as well. So really get that through your head and realize, okay, This is just a human being, and if they do have strengths that I'm intimidated by, then let me show that I admire that, and let me learn from that so that I can be like that, because clearly it's something that I want. So, that was just that. Let's think, let's think. Another crazy thing that I learned. So, basically, the CEO of this social entrepreneurship company called Ashoka, A-S-H-O-K-A, I have no idea what a social entrepreneurship company is, like do they manage YouTubers, I don't know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but he is the CEO, Bill Drayton, and he's saying that the number one, this was just so funny to me, because (laughs) he's saying the number one skill is being well-rounded, and to me, I'm like, that's not like one thing, being well-rounded is like you're good at all things, so I'm like, (laughs) How is that a number one skill? But I guess it's just more more things for us to have to be. Um, and what I think he meant by being well-rounded was having uh, soft skills. And Because it says in the article that someone that can be positive and have a willingness to learn can fit in anywhere. So we have hard skills and soft skills. Hard skills are what you do, what your exact job description is. And soft skills are... How do you work well with others, and how do you manage yourself to be your best potential? So it's like, you're not a robot, so you need to realize that your human emotions do play a part in your work life. And you if you don't own that, then that's when things get like sloppy and not cute. So <clears throat> some of these soft skills are improvisation improvisation. I know how to speak. I promise. Um, relational intelligence and critical thinking. So I think, you know, being able to improvise is just basically another word for being creative, being able to problem solve. And that to me goes hand in hand with critical thinking, but it's because if you can't look at an idea and break it down, my dogs are barking. Stop being rude. Autumn, Autumn. She's calm now. Um, Well, he's not goodbye. It's been real. Love you. Okay. Um, if you can't look at a problem and break down, we're here. Our obstacles are here. You know, how do we overcome them to get to where we need to go? That's critical thinking. And I think that's also being able to come up with ideas on the spot, be flexible. And that just comes with your passion and loving what you do and being so, you know, committed to it that you become an expert and you, can be able to think like that. Um, I don't think that me learning to bake and then within an hour of baking, I'm going to have all these like great ideas on how to solve all these problems. Like I'm not going on top chef. You know what I'm saying? Like they're improvising. They're being critical. They're critically thinking because that's what they love to do. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to fail. Okay. Um, but another one he said was relational intelligence. And I was like, What is that? So relational intelligence is a combination of emotional and ethical intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence is something that I learned in my negotiation class. Shout out to Dr. Williams at East Carolina University. He was amazing. And it's basically self-awareness, realizing what your triggers are, why you aren't, um, you know, realizing why you're upset. And kind of getting down to that. And the most important part of emotional intelligence is handling someone that is not at a good place. It's getting them to a rational point. One of the most important things on how to do that is being able to um, let someone know that their feelings are being heard. So if they're upset, most people just want to be heard and feel like they're being understood and that their emotions are validated. And one of the best ways you can do that is with active listening and let them know, okay... I'm hearing that this is your problem, and when you give it back to them, they're like, yes, that is my problem, and they tend to kind of calm down. Zuko, I'm going to need you to stop moving the bed. Thank you. Um, so that's a great way to deal with emotional intelligence. You should definitely research it more. Um, and ethical intelligence is having integrity, is working hard, making the right decisions, Um And that's something that you'll learn in college when you're taking your humanities courses and stuff like that. So it's very important to to work well with others and have integrity. Um, Look, money can't give you good character, and let's just put it at that. So what's been really cool is learning that um, liberal arts plays a really great role in how we're learning these soft skills and like 60% of major companies, their CEOs have liberal arts, um, education. So learning to deal with people is really important and learning to lead people and understanding, you know, your talent that's pushing your, your company's profit. That's, you know, executing what you've, what we're building. Here's a company. I'm the CEO. I'm running it. I've got to care about my people, because if I don't care about my people, they're not going to perform their best, and then our profits are going to go down, so it's really about empowering your employees, and making the right decisions that benefit them, and just having integrity and being a good leader, and that's just something that comes from the heart, and if you ain't got it, pray about it. Next is um, self-directed learners. And apparently Ellen DeGeneres is a self-directed learner. And I think that's super cool. So basically new knowledge and, you know, how quickly trends happen in these industries that we're in, it happens overnight. A company can be doing something one day and the next day completely change. And I know that because that's what I do with Fund Your Legacy all the time. So um, our, our education curriculums can't keep up with how fast things are changing. So it's up to you to figure out what you need to learn and go for it. And I think that's something that Find Your Legacy does really well in our self-evaluations. It's getting people to start thinking, this is where I'm at. This is where I need to be. This is what I think I need to learn to get there. And once you start moving forward, different layers will reveal itself to get you to where you need to go. So I know that sounds kind of vague, but it's basically knowing what you need to know and formulating your own learning goals. And I think that's important for kids to have because you got to think your school counselors and stuff, they are dealing with so many kids. You're one of many. You know, they're to me, my personal opinion, they're just overstretched <laughs> like So you being able to figure out what you need, and you can go into this 15-minute meeting that you have with your counselor and say, this is what I need from you. I don't need you to figure it out. I need you to hook me up. You know, you're good. So let me check this really quick. Teaching SMART goals is to actually make kids have like a project where they have to have a goal and track it and see if the smart goals actually work than, than just sitting down and telling them this is what you need to do. And that's engagement learning. Um so smart goals literally are everything. So if I want to earn a million dollars, that's not a smart goal because um I'm not anywhere close to earning a million dollars. So it's not attainable. It's not realistic. It's not time defined. You know you need you need exact goals. So if your overall goal is to, let's say, be a, um, program manager for an engineering firm, like you're, you're managing, I don't even know if that's a specific role in engineering, but let's just go with it. You're, you're, you're a manager in an engineering IT firm. Okay. That's your your goal. You're like, that's what I want to do, but you're in 10th grade. So what you're going to do for your SMART goals is you need to start thinking, how am I going to get there? Well, I'm going to get a degree in engineering. Okay, well, how am I going to get a degree in engineering? What are my grades like now? What school do I want to go to? Okay, so I've decided that I'm going to go to NC State because it's a great school for engineering. It's what they're known for. And then I'm going to have two other schools that I'll apply to. So I'm going to apply to... Um, UNC Charlotte and um, Appalachian State I think that's a school (laughs) Um, anyways um, so I'm gonna look at those schools I'm gonna look at the requirements for what their you know average student that's accepted into these programs what their stats are and I'm like okay well so no I need a 4.0 GPA and I need these scores okay, so I need these type of classes, um, these like engineering specific classes that I can now take in high school. Maybe I should take a community college class instead. So now I'm starting to break down this big goal into smaller goals. So now it's okay, well, I need to be able to get this grade on this math class this year to be able to get into you know, my 11th grade math, like calculus or something like that, that's going to look really good on my admissions. So now what I'm doing is I'm now saying I have a very specific goal. I need to be able to get into calculus. So I'm going to do with, which that sounds very, That sounds like a very fixed mindset, but let's just ignore what I said earlier for the sake of this analogy. Thank you. Um, So I'm really getting into, I'm totally blinking. What am I talking about? Oh, I really, I really need to like get into this class. So I'm going to, you know, study for an hour a night after dinner. I'm going to eat my dinner and I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to study for an hour. And um, I'm going to practice how I'm going to study is I'm going to practice um, five critical thinking word problems in my textbooks at the end of each class lesson. So each day I'm learning something new in class. I'm going to go home. I'm going to study for an hour by practicing, you know, three to five questions in the back of that chapter in addition to my homework. And that's kind of how you would set that. So then now that's going to reflect on your learning because you're going to grow and you're going to expand. So now you got my calculus. What's your next step? What's your next step? What's your next step? And if you keep doing that, keep having very specific goals that lead to another goal, that lead to another goal, that lead to another goal, you'll one, find a lot of satisfaction and and confidence in fulfilling your goals and that you worked hard for them. That's going to build really good character. And then you're growing each time you're expanding, each time you're getting better, each time your goal is higher. So think of Mount Everest. When someone climbs Mount Everest, they don't just start at the top. They don't start at the bottom and they're at the top. They go to summits. They go to peaks. They do all these, like, they stop here. They prep for it. You know, they're not climbing. It's not a straight shot. They've got daily markers, and they, each one builds off of each other, and then eventually they get to the top. That's how you need to plan your goals. Next is, like, Benjamin Franklin studies for, and studies, he's not alive, excuse me, studied for an hour a day for five days. So he, it was like the five hour rule, which is why I brought up an hour in this last analogy. Thank you. Active learning, Bill Gates. I thought this one was so interesting because in college, All you do is read textbooks. And it's like, honey, you really expect me to sit down in my bed and read 50 pages a night. And that's when I was like, I really need to do what I love because I cannot be reading about things that are so dry. And basically, it's to take notes in the margin of your book. And that's what Bill Gates does. And it allows him to have like an engaging conversation with the author. That's the phrase that they use. Um, It's getting him to respond to what he's reading. And it's being able to you know, retain that information because it's more engaging. So I think that's a really good way to, um, you know, you're not changing this whole curriculum. Like, you're going to read books in college if your professor tells you to. But it's making it a more engaging environment for you personally So I think that's cool and I, you know, it's not so, because I always feel like I remember things more when I write them down. It just sucks because it takes a little bit longer, but I guess, you know, give and take, what can you do? And the last one is the 80-20. So 20% of your actions will lead to like 80% of your success. So you need to be able to figure out the 20% of actions that will lead you the most gains. I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't have an analogy for you, but I think that that's a good engagement practice that you can do is to go home and figure out your own personal 80, 20 rule. Um, cause I ain't going to tell you to cut corners. Cause to me, that's what that sounds like. But my loves, let me see. Yep. That's all the time we have for today. Oh no, we don't. I like, so active listening is a really great communication skills. Um, So communication is like a major soft skill. You've got to know how to articulate your needs and how to work with others. And active listening is a great way to do that. It's about summarizing what you've heard someone say. You're letting them know that you hear them and that's letting them know that their voice is being valued. And it's a give and take in conversations. And a lot of people don't know how to active listen and it's very frustrating. You don't have to be one of them. And I actually looked up some other... Some other um, soft skills. But communication, I mean, you've got to know what you want. That's how you know how to articulate. What do you want? What is it that you're trying to say? When you get that down, then you're going to know how how to present that to someone. And that's your part in it. The second part in communication is the other person. And that's that emotional intelligence. That's that active listening. That's really hearing someone having probing following up questions and caring what the other person says. It's not all about you. You know what I'm saying? So, um you got to have a strong work ethic, kids. All right? Things don't come easy. You got to be motivated and you got to be dedicated and you got to care about your performance. Your name goes on something that's you. You're representing yourself by the work that you do. Positive attitude are you happy? Are you upbeat? Are you optimistic? Do you have a willingness to learn? Are you excited to be there? I, not to toot my own horn, beep beep, but I had in all my letters of recommendations from my college professors that I was, um, I had a really good willingness to learn and I was really positive and my supervisor, my internship for social work has said the same thing and I didn't realize that that was such a strength. To be to be excited to learn. I mean, I always just thought like I like school. But I think it's more of just creating, help creating an environment where people want to engage and they want to be a part of something and they want to grow. So, you know, you just got to be happy about where you're at. And if you're not, you need to really reevaluate that. Third is good communication skills, which you, we already talk to, I feel like that is just the most important because you're always going to work with people, whether they're in your company or they're your client, you're always going to be working with people and you've got to always think about their perspective. You got to think about what is it that they gain? What are their expectations of this experience? When you really take your perspective and shift it to someone else, you really grow and you really realize how to get the most out of a situation, how to get the most out of a client experience to have them engaged and want them to come back or recommend your company to, you know, other people and how you build clientele or working with other people. People are going to want to promote you more if you're good at working with other people and communicating with them and problem solving with them because you have the ability to take on bigger challenges. So definitely, and and this is going to be in your, group presentations in college. Do not underestimate that experience. Write down everything you hate about that experience and why and pray to God you never work with people that don't care. Moving on. Number four, time management abilities. How do you prioritize your tasks and work on a different, um, different projects at once? Will you use your time wisely? I've always heard that your personal willingness deteriorates throughout the day. So do your hardest task first because in the morning time, that's when you're have the most, um, willingness to do it. So in doing the crappy ones first to also really kind of relieve that stress and anxiety, like it's not in the back of your head, like, Oh God, I have to do this. It's, no, it's already done. Um, which is why I think people work out in the morning time. Anyways, five is problem solving skills. Are you resourceful? You know, are you creative at problem solving, because problems will always arise. And you've got to plan, 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 plan A, plan B, plan C. I think that this may be a problem. How do I plan to, to, to either prevent the problem or my reaction to the problem? And sometimes you can't plan for some problems. But you've got to be able to assess, critical think, improvise, and just. That I really think comes with experience um, in whatever field you're in. Um, acting as a team player. Are you cooperative? And do you take leadership roles when, when appropriate? You know, it's not all about you, but everyone has their strengths. So sometimes it should be about you when it's your strength. And you've got to have the confidence to step up, but you also got to have the confidence to sit back and let other people do things that may be better at them than you are. And that really comes with self-awareness. Um, self-confidence. Do you think you can do it? You know, will you project a sense of calm and inspire confidence in others? Will you have the courage to ask questions that need to be asked and freely contribute to your ideas? So whenever I feel insecure, I talk, I, I tell myself what I should be confident on. What are my strengths? And I really think that that's important to share with other people on your team. You know, when someone does something that I'm working with and I really like it, I vocalize that so they know that I appreciate their value and I recognize it. Being able to have that feedback, because we get a lot of negative feedback all the time. Reminding people of their strengths gives them more confidence. And if you're working with them, you'll only benefit from that in the end. Um, Ability to accept and learn from criticism. You have got to take feedback. Everyone has room for improvement, and everyone is not perfect. You are not going to be great at everything you do. And, you know... If, if you feel yourself getting really defensive against some criticism, then maybe there's a lot of truth to it and you just don't want to see it. Um, criticism, when someone says you're bad at something or you need improvement, that means that you're able to change. You know, these aren't definite things that these are your limits and you can never go above them. Okay? You're capable. It's just now that it's brought to your attention is something that you need to work on and then you work on it. It's not that personal um I say that now and then watch me like cry if I ever get about it (laughs) I'm just kidding flexibility and adaptability can you adapt and be flexible in new situations and will you embrace change and be open to new ideas that is detrimental to be able to embrace change in in this economy because it's forever changing if you're stuck in your ways and you're not you're not listening to your client feedback or your market feedback you know no one's gonna the whole economy like wait stop Danielle doesn't like this. So come on, Danielle, we're going to, we're going to not move forward and we're not going to change because you, this one person at, in comparison to the whole economy, the global economy, you know, we care about you. So we're going to, we're just going to stay in your comfort zone. That is not how life works. So you either have the confidence to step up and to change and to realize where the areas that you can grow or just don't expect any fulfillment. And that's that. Working well under pressure. Can you handle the stress that accompanies deadlines and crises? Will you be able to do your best work and come through? (sighs) Now we're getting in. See, this is what I kind of hate about articles, is that (laughs) this now is talking about stress, and that's a whole other ballpark. So working well under pressure, it's more about handling your stress, and I think what's so important is realizing that we have emotions for a reason. You know, we aren't robots. Our emotions are there, so let's tie stress into emotional intelligence. You know, we are people. We get stressed out. It's been a long day. This is something that came up, but at the end of the day, your company, your major, your your professor, your teacher, your parents, they believe that you can handle what's in front of you, and you've got to take a deep breath, control that emotion from freaking out, and be able to think clearly. And I think that's what stress, it's, it's, it inhibits you from thinking clearly. It stops you from, from removing yourself from a situation and looking at the bigger picture. So now you've gotta go into these techniques that allow you to think more clearly when you're feeling stressed. And that's gonna be me, um, meditation, not eating greasy food, and fattening food, because our stress levels are gone up, so we're going to want fast food, but then you're going to feel like crap after you eat it, and you're going to be stressed out on top of that, you know, it's going and taking a walk, it's, you know, realizing that this problem is not going to last forever, this too shall pass, and you'll get through it, you just got to think clearly. So it's really being able to calm yourself down and think fast. And I really think the confidence to be able to calm yourself down and think is going to come with experience. Um, I mean, uh, let's just tie it to to students. You know how many times I've done an all-nighter and studied for an exam twice, and I have never done that again. However, there's a lot of kids that do because they know that they can handle that stress. When it comes to the end of the... And in the night, they're like, okay, I'm gonna stay up all night and this is just what I'm gonna do. Me, I'm like, I'm gonna cry for 30 minutes because I'm disappointed in myself that I waited this long. And then I'm going to try and study, but now my eyes are gonna burn. So it's really being, it's really about being self aware and, um, knowing what you're good at what you're not good at your strengths your weaknesses things that are going to trigger stress in you so for for me I know that I'm not going to wait until the last minute to study for a big exam because I, I just that's just not me so self awareness check next is okay so I have this huge deadline coming up. I have all these finals coming up. Now I've got to time manage. Now I've got to self-coach myself to know that I can do this. I've got to prioritize which one's going to need the most studying. How many hours a night can can I really dedicate to studying? So I can dedicate two hours a night to studying. And I have three exams. And I'm going to start off with the one that's first and I'm going to study, 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 and then I have a day break. So maybe two days before that exam, I'll start incorporating this second exam that I have coming up. And so it's really thinking like that, and that's that SMART goals. That's, you know, your time management. That's your handling stress, knowing yourself, knowing your weaknesses, and responding to those weaknesses by preparing to not crush and burn. And that's what I think is about working well under pressure. And I just really think college students should not underestimate these, like, everyday college culture and same thing with high school students like that this routine you know oh well everyone does that like you're learning time management you're learning self accountability you're learning how to handle the stress in college and in high school you just don't really see it that way because you're not having these unique experiences your experiences are pretty much the same as the other students around you but there's value in what you're learning. You just got to know how to look for it and have that perspective to, to gain to it. So, you know, having all these exams and all these finals with the same week, that's stress. And that's why everyone goes crazy after finals. You know, having to take the SAT and the ACT and applying to all these colleges, that's stress. And you should give yourself credit for those stresses and handling them. And that's going to help you whenever you apply for jobs. You know, when you're you're going into these entry-level jobs and you don't have a lot of experience, don't underestimate your experience as a student because that's going to teach you a lot of stuff and your work ethic and your, you know, ability to handle all your priorities because your classes are your priorities. so homework projects all those things are deadlines that you have your project managing those deadlines because you're in control I mean you're working with other people you have your learning skills that will help you you just got to know how to articulate them when you are applying for a job and really look at what you're doing and Do not underestimate soft skills. And that is all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I'm so excited for 2019. I hope you all have a great new year. And I also saw LeBron play um, against the Lakers. And he was great. And I just wanted to share that. Okay, bye, guys.